Well, I'm excited to introduce to you today our guest teacher, Dawn Dalton. Dawn is no stranger to many of you here. She's part of our Wednesday night heart-to-heart group, uh, our leader this year. And also, I've had the privilege of traveling with Dawn uh, on some mission trips and have so enjoyed getting to know her heart. Uh, She's married to Chuck, has two sons, and has two adorable twin grandbabies. And so I cannot wait to hear from Dawn as she takes us through the prayer of Jesus in John 17. Let's welcome Dawn. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about praying to live for God's glory. How do you pray when you're experiencing an overwhelming situation? Does it draw you to want to pray more intimately? This summer, I watched as my three-year-old granddaughter stood up in her chair, facing backwards, and she fell face down to the floor. And my heart sank, and I prayed, Lord, let her be okay. And I prayed that same prayer three years ago when my sister called and said, Dawn, can you meet me? I'm on the way to the hospital with mom. And I prayed, Lord, let her be okay. And then last year, I was at Baptist Women's in the waiting room, and the technician came in and she said, Miss Dalton, can you stay today? You need to have a biopsy. And I prayed, oh, Lord, let it be okay. Because when I'm faced with an overwhelming situation, that's how I pray. I'm not distracted. My mind doesn't wander. I don't fall asleep. The only thing that matters is my ability to call out to the Lord and tell Him what I need. Because when I'm faced with a circumstance like that, I just want Him to fix it. I want my granddaughter to be okay. I want my mother to be healed. I want to be okay. And as we study this passage, I believe Jesus tells us there's more to pray. He prays beyond his circumstances, and he prays to give glory to the Father. And that's how I want to pray. I want to pray and call out to God, but pray beyond the circumstances I'm in and look to give glory to the Father and focus on the things that matter for eternity. This is such a beautiful prayer. It's sometimes called his high priestly prayer. It's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in scripture. And to be honest, as I read this passage, I feel the need to be just completely still in reverence and awe of the fact that we're able to listen in on Jesus's conversation with the Father. It's really overwhelming if you think about it. And even the setting to me is overwhelming. If you look at the next chapter, in chapter 18, verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, meaning the last discourse with the disciples, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron, where there was a garden in which he entered with his disciples. The ravine of Kidron it's a valley with water or a brook, and it's between the, it was between the temple area and the Garden of Gethsemane. 
We don't know exactly where Jesus was when he prayed this prayer, but we know it was somewhere between the upper room where he was with the disciples and the garden. One of my favorite pastors to listen to is Chuck Swindoll, and in one of his sermons, he said that this ravine during this time would have likely had the reminder of death. And even the name itself means gloomy and dusky. But because it was Passover, the Jewish people were bringing their lamb and sheep to slaughter at the temple. And so the blood from the slaughtered animals would go into a channel and through a conduit and in the ravine and out of the city. And that's how they had the contaminated blood leave the city of Jerusalem. So it's likely, he said, that the water in the ravine would have been red. So here the Jewish people are bringing these animals to sacrifice for their sins when our own Savior is going as a perfect Lamb of God to sacrifice himself and crossing this ravine. So even the setting to me was overwhelming to study. We learned this week that this prayer can be divided into three parts. So the first five verses, Jesus prays for himself. And in verse 6 through 19, he prays for his disciples. And in verse 20 through 26, he prays for all believers, for all of us. So we're going to take the next few minutes and look how this very intimate prayer teaches us to live to give glory to God. And the first way to live in order to give glory to the Father is to live in obedience. And that's how Jesus prayed in these first five verses. He prayed intimately to the Father. And here he knows he's about to be arrested. He knows he's about to face the agony of the cross. And yet in verse one, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. He calls out to the father and he tells him what he needs, but his desire is to glorify the father. He also knew what he needed to do to be obedient. In verse two, it says, even as you gave him, being Jesus, authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. The Father gave Jesus authority over all mankind, and it was going to be only through his obedience and sacrifice that those that the Father had given him would have eternal life. And then he goes on to tell us what this eternal life is in verse 3. This eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's by his obedience and his sacrifice that we can have a relationship with the Father through the Son. And this glorifies the Father. It shares his character of love and compassion for all of mankind. Jesus had also been obedient on earth and he wanted to finish his work. If you look in verse 4, it says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you've given me to do. 
Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He knew he had done the work on earth that the Father had given him to do, and now he wanted to finish and be obedient to the Lord's to the Father's will. But he had to get from the time of this prayer to glory with the Father again, and in between was the cross. But that was his utmost desire to be obedient. And so that's what he did. He lived in obedience to bring the Father glory. So we learn from Jesus' prayer that the first way to live in order to glorify the Father is to live in obedience. Obedience to God, focusing on giving Him no, the glory, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance. Because He did, He did go to the cross, He did die for our sins, and He rose again glorified. And now we need to live in order to glorify Him. How do we do that? How do we live in obedience? This brings us to the second part of this passage. In verses 6 through 19, he prays for his disciples. And in verse 17, he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He tells them to live set apart. Jesus prayed that they would be set apart. They were in the world, but they were not of the world. And he prayed for their protection. In verse 11, it says, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name. Keep them. He wanted them protected in his name. The name which you have given me. You can tell from these verses how much Jesus loved the disciples. And this passage, he prayed for the disciples, but this also applies to us as believers. And it just shows how much Jesus loved us, loves us and loved them. And if you look in the two chapters, three chapters before chapter 17, John gives us a beautiful picture of how much Jesus loved the disciples. In, verse, in chapter 14, he says to them, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Peace I leave to you, my peace I give you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you'll be also. Those are four verses from chapter 14. And in chapter 16, he says, it is, not, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. You two have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. And no one will take your joy away from you. He loved his disciples. And right before we turn the page to this beautiful prayer, the very last verse in chapter 16, he says, Take courage. I have overcome the world. The disciples were in the world, but they were not of the world, and he prayed for their protection, and he had overcome the world. Jesus interceded for his disciples, and he intercedes for us today, and he loves us.
So we want to live set apart. This past spring, I started classes at uh, Dallas Seminary. And one of my first assignments was to extract from the book of Philemon an eternal truth, something that was true in ancient Bible times, is true now, and is true in the future. Then I was to somehow apply it to my life, journal it for two weeks, and then submit it as an assignment. So I gleaned from the book of Philemon this truth. A believer's testimony of faith and love in Christ affects the body of believers. So a believer's testimony of faith and love in Christ will affect the body of believers. So then I thought, how can I apply that to my life? So I started thinking, maybe I could do something with the women in my heart-to-heart -heart small group, and maybe we can do it for the fall. So I started praying for them by name, that each of us would have a testimony of our love and faith in Christ, that when we come together in the fall, we would share it and it would affect us as a body of believers. It would grow us in the Lord. And then I was scared I'd forget somebody, so I wrote a card and put everybody's name on it and framed it and put it on my desk. And that way I could pray for everybody. And I did this for a couple of weeks and then I journaled it and submitted it. It was right after that that Dotsie Lyles went into the hospital. And I know many of you know Dotsie. She's in Heart to Heart, and she's in our small group. And Dotsie faced an overwhelming situation. She was admitted to the hospital, and she was admitted in intensive care with a brain bleed. And it was during COVID. So she couldn't have anybody with her. She couldn't have her family with her, her husband with her, and she was alone. But Dotsie was not alone. And with Dotsie's permission, I wanted to share with you the email that she sent, the prayer request, an update on how she was doing. And this is what it said. God has heard the prayers of so many and has answered them for my benefit. The peace that surpasses understanding has accompanied me during this entire unexpected event. I am one grateful gal. I had to read that over. She said, I am one grateful gal. And she was in intensive care. And as I read her update, I just lifted my hands and said, glory to you, God. Glory to you. She's an amazing woman, and she serves an almighty God. And then it hit me that this assignment had just become very real. Dotsie's love and faith in Christ had affected me as a believer, and I know it affected so many others, her testimony of her love and faith, because I also know Dotsie, and her desire is to live set apart. And her utmost desire is to glorify God. Dottie's focus was beyond her circumstance. And it was a difficult circumstance. But her, circum her desire was to glorify God. I keep that frame on my desk now with everybody's name. as a reminder to me 
to focus on God's character and to pray for uh, all of us that we live set apart. So how do we do that? He tells us in the second part of that verse, 17, sanctify them in the truth, but your word is the truth. It's by staying in the scripture and staying in the word of God and studying and spending intimate time with the Lord that we can pray and live set apart, or that we can live set apart. But we can't do it without him. Jesus prayed for himself to live in obedience. He prayed for his disciples to live set apart. And then he prayed for all of us to live in unity in verses 20 through 26. And in these last few verses, the setting's still the same. It's the time of the crucifixion, and yet Jesus is praying for us. He's interceding for us to the Father. And he prayed for us to live in unity. In verse 22, it says, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. He, he knew that we would need prayer to live in unity. And now it seems like everything is divided, politically, racially, even medically. And that's amongst believers. And I don't think it says here that we need to be uniform and live in uniformity all the same, but that we love and respect each other and our differences because we are one in the body of Christ. And I'm thinking if we live in obedience and we live set apart it's going to be a lot easier to live in unity this points the world to God verse 24 I think is my favorite verse from this passage and it says father I desire that they also whom you've given me be with me where I am so that they may see me See my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. You know, you can read that verse and substitute your name where it says they. And it would read, Father, I desire that dawn also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, that dawn may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. He wants us to be in glory with him, and that is what he prays. He prays for us to be with him in glory. Read that verse and substitute your name. It is such a comfort. Jesus loves us. And Cricket, in one of her um, days of study this week, day five of the study actually, she writes this prayer, Lord, my prayer is that I would glorify you in everything I do and say. Keep me close, Lord. Thank you for being my prayer warrior. What a comfort that is to think of Jesus. He's our prayer warrior. Jesus prayed for himself to live in obedience. He prayed for his disciples that they would live set apart. And he prayed for all disciples 
to live in unity. As I was working on this lecture, I was overwhelmed with work and school and some family health issues and I spent one really restless night not sleeping. And as I lie there, I started asking myself these questions. Lord, am I spending intimate time with you in prayer? And not just in a crisis. I mean, intimate time with you where I am praying to you and, and giving you the glory. Am I being obedient? Is there anything outside of your will that I'm doing? Am I trying to live set apart? Am I spending time in your word? And am I active in a body of believers in unity? And as I answered those questions to myself, I was just flooded with the verses in the previous chapters. I'll not leave you as orphan, I'll come to you. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You too have grief now, but I'll see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. And take courage, I have overcome the world. No matter how overwhelming a situation is, he loves us. And because he crossed that ravine and he died on the cross for us, as the perfect Lamb of God, but He rose again and now our permanent High Priest intercedes for us. We can pray intimately to Him at any time. So here's our challenge. Are we living in obedience to God? Or is there something that we're holding on to that we know is not in His will? Are we living set apart and spending time in his word? Are we living in unity with other believers? This is his desire for us, and this is what brings him glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your obedience and how that you set the example for us and how much you love us. Oh, Lord, I'm just so thankful. I pray that as we study this passage, that we learn to live in obedience, live set apart in your, in your word and in unity with the body of believers. And Father, that we spend intimate time with you in prayer. And we love you in your son's precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.